0: Welcome to episode three of the Exec podcast. I'm Michelle Mascali, Senior Editor at Exec Magazine.
1: And I'm Kristen Harm, Associate Editor from Exec Magazine.
0: For those of you joining us for the first time, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. So Kristen, what are we talking about on today's episode?
1: This episode is chock full of our February issue, which focuses on reputation. As we know, the pharmaceutical industry in the United States doesn't really have a great reputation with the general public, and every day we're seeing headlines that are ripping them apart for high drug prices and failed studies.
0: It's remarkable because that's not the case when you go to other parts of the world, or with biotechs here in the U.S. In fact, our guest today, Devin Smith, is uniquely qualified to talk about that entire subject
1: and Devin Smith is the Chief Strategy Officer and Head of Operations at Sigalon Therapeutics. Previously, he worked for Pfizer.
0: During our conversation with him, we talked about how he personally experienced the striking difference between how the pharmaceutical industry is perceived here in the U.S. as compared to overseas, and how he is viewed differently now that he works in biotech. Before we get there, we wanted to talk about our colleague Julian's article on Reputation, which we both found a bit fascinating. Absolutely.
1: Michelle, Julian starts his article off this month with a headline from the New York Times, which is, Merck's head defends drug prices. So I want you to think for a minute and guess when you think that might have been posted.
0: Um, well, it could have been today. It could have been yesterday. It could have been last week. I mean we're constantly having this conversation, so... Pretty much every day, right? Yeah, I mean, it could be any day the past year.
1: Well, the reality is that that was posted in December of 1959.
0: So, for, what is it, almost 60 years, we've been having this pretty much same conversation about reputation and defending drug prices. And And it hasn't
1: really changed much.
0: No, I mean, that headline... When I first heard Julian's article... I thought that that headline was recent, right? 1959, and we're still having the same conversation. So I just wonder, is this just a fundamental problem that we are never going to solve, no matter how much effort we put into it? I mean, we've been talking about this for almost 60 years. What do you think, Kristen?
1: I think the industry needs to start focusing its energy and efforts on what we do best, uh, talking about R&D and reporting new drug therapies, et cetera, which we're doing, but sort of just leaving that idea of reputation aside and then um, eventually our reputation will, you know, hopefully organically suss itself out, right?
0: I agree. So... I think we need to stop, not Poking at it. Poking at it, yeah, Yeah, like, just stop, keep hounding about it.
1: Right listeners we want to know what you think about this send us a tweet at farm Exec. let us know if you think that this is a fundamental issue um that we're never going to solve or should we continue talking about it what do you guys think let us know and when we get back we're going to talk with devin smith
0: Hey, Kristen. What's up, Michelle? Did you see this article on global health partnerships in the pharma industry?
1: I did, actually. I edited it.
0: Oh, I must have missed it on our website, but I was just scrolling through Instagram and saw it.
1: Wow, it's a really good thing that you follow the Instagram account, Farm Executive, or else you would have missed it.
0: I would have totally missed it. That's why I follow Farm Executive on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, and all of our other social media channels, which can be found
1: at Farmexec.com. Hey, Farmexec podcasters. Today we have Devin Smith, who is the Chief Strategy Officer and Head of Operations for Sigalon Therapeutics, which is a startup based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Hi, Devin.
0: Thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, hi. Thanks for having me.
0: So the reason why we asked Devin to be on the podcast today is because, as you know, our February issue is all about reputation of the pharma industry. When I was interviewing him for my article, which focused on the reputation of biotechs compared to traditional pharma, I thought he had a really unique perspective that would be really good to share with our listeners. Devin, can
1: you briefly tell us about Sigalon and a little bit more about what you do there?
2: Yeah, no problem. So Sigilon Therapeutics was um, founded based on technology developed in Bob Langer and Dan Anderson's labs at MIT, where they had developed over the course of a decade a library of small molecules that prevent the foreign body response when these molecules are applied to biomaterials. So this is really a core part of our platform, combined with a proprietary engineered cell line. We combine these two to create capsules that contain these engineered cells that can express high levels of therapeutic proteins for implant into patients so we can provide long-term therapeutics, so living therapeutics is what we call them. And so my current role at Sigilon at is um, helping both develop and execute on the strategy, but in addition to that, really focus in on helping drive our programs forward. So right now, um, I've got responsibility for project management, um, IP as well as regulatory and some other functions really help sort of drive our uh, pipeline forward as quickly as we can to execute on our strategy.
0: So you're in a unique position to speak about reputation because you've been involved in multiple sides of this business um, and in multiple locations. You worked in the States for Pfizer, then worked for them in London, and then back here in the States before moving into biotech. So I want to discuss your observations on how the public perceived pharma and biotech in each of those scenarios. Let's start with when you worked for pharma here and then moved to London. What was that like?
1: So when
2: I first joined the, the pharma company here in the States, um, at that point there, there was sort of some negative press around you know, the amount companies charge for their pharmaceuticals. And, but pharma was still viewed very negatively. I mean, you'd hear these polls saying pharma's viewed similar to, say, tobacco companies or energy companies. And I think overall, it was it's, it was not quite in your face that it was quite as negative. Um, from a pricing perspective, there was some negativity around it. But I think um, after I've gone to the UK for a couple of years, it came back as much worse. But I think that initial point it was certainly negative. But I don't think you. Uh, quite as much press and, and negative feelings about it when you just went out to talk to the lay public.
0: And what was it like in the U.K., the reputation of pharma? How was it different, or was it different?
2: So the U.K. was um, surprisingly different. I think the first uh, time I really got that feeling was I was actually riding in a cab in London, and the cab driver asked what I did, who I worked for, and I told him I worked for Pfizer, a pharmaceutical company. He was very positive. He's like, oh, I love Pfizer's. You know, do you comp- you know, Those companies that develop drugs, you guys are doing great things. You're, you're helping people. You're providing, you know, saving lives, et cetera. It's very positive. And that was repeated multiple times uh, when I was in the U.K. And having conversations with just the lay public, um, whether it was the uh, customs folks at Heathrow Airport to cab drivers or people in you know, stores, it was a very positive view overall of the industry because of the benefits of you know treating and and curing and saving lives
0: and when you came back what was it like was it any worse from when you left
2: so i think it was it was worse because i think what really drove a lot of it was you had a couple of um well you had some bad actors um Come out with you know where they had purchased some drugs and then jacked the price up several thousand percentage points, um, and that obviously was very high in the press a few years back. You also had um, Gilead's recent launch of their HCV product, which was curative, but it was very expensive, and I think there was a lot of circulating circulating negative press around these pricing, and I think unfortunately in in the states it you know the rising tide you know rises all boats, but also sinks all boats when it goes down. So I think because of some of these bad actors, I won't say Gilead was a bad actor, but these bad actors like uh, Turing Pharmaceuticals and others, you had this very negative view. So anytime a new product launched, so Gilead's, for example, which was really life-changing, this was curative, because of the price and sort of this overhang, it left a very negative view across the entire industry. And so I think that environment was was pressing down i think on the entire industry and you could feel that when you'd have conversations with the lay public or even with family and friends where people are very negative um feeling that you know it's you know companies are just for the money you know not really concerned about really helping people you like chronic medicine because then you can just keep charging forever you know all the things you hear it's very negative
1: negative. and when you moved to to, bi- to biotech what type of reaction from the public have you experienced
2: so it's interesting because you do have at least biotechs that are new and and don't have products on the market. It's kind of viewed like you know some of the the Silicon Valley type startups. It's very innovative. It's very exciting. There's a lot of promise and potential. So it's it's viewed very positively, and it's it's quite an interesting shift. And I think a lot of it is because there's no product and patients don't people don't really see the pricing. They don't see you know sort of those. The actual tangible piece of it, but it's more about the promise and this idea that is so, um, you know, impressive and, and people love that. And I think that's probably one of the big differences because it is a you do get a very different response if you say you work for a, a small biotech startup than if you work for a large pharma. And
0: why do you think that reputation of biotech is more positive from the from the pharma reputation? Is that Is that why the reasons that you were just talking about?
2: I think so. I think a lot of it has to do with the, you know, patients today when they're sick, they get a medicine, they do incur costs, either co-pays or other payment for the, the medication they receive, and that's tied to a company, typically a big pharma. And so there is a negative perception because, unfortunately, a lot of the price per out-of-pockets patients experience relative to the actual price, there's a lot more in medicines as opposed to, say, you know, a hospital bill, which can be many thousands of dollars, but the patient only pays a very small subset. So I think that's one driver. A second driver, I think, is that I don't think that big pharma has helped themselves over the years um, by one, either being, there has not been a lot of proactive um, until recently trying to teach the public and educate that this is what we do, this is how we're changing lives, this is you know, what we have, you know, the research we do. I think that has not happened for a long time, which also didn't help. And I think the third driver is the, this view that the U.S. is paying for the medications that other countries get on the cheap. And I think that serves as another driver. So I think all those things combined, the big pharma really hurt mutation wars. And in small biotech, one, you don't have a product typically. So there's, you don't have to deal with those elements. And there's also the promise is always quite huge, that you, know, you could provide a curative or a life-saving therapy to someone, and, and people really gravitate to that.
1: Do you think that biotech will ever suffer the same public shaming that pharma companies have been experiencing?
2: Good question. I think we will find out soon um, where you have some <laughs> of these new innovative gene therapies. So Sparks recently launched therapy for blindness, uh, some of these uh, CAR-T therapies for uh, some of the uh, blood cancers. I think it will be interesting to watch these as they go and are launched, one around sort of uptake and view of the public around them. Interestingly enough, you haven't seen the big outcry. So we've seen pricing now for SPARKS. We've seen pricing for some of the CAR-T therapies. You haven't seen the big public outcry that you saw for example, with Gilead with hepatitis C. Now, I don't know if that's because the view is, he's, you know, that Spark is more, it's a smaller biotech, it's, it's more innovative or it's for fewer patients or what, but you have not seen that same. So it's hard to say, but I'm guessing if you stay within small niche populations, you may not see that uh, big uh, backlash that you do when you go after something like hepatitis C and you cure it. Hmm.
0: So when we were talking and doing the interview for the magazine, I remember we spoke about how sometimes even family and friends can sometimes give you flack for working in pharma. Kristen and I were just talking about this earlier, actually. So how did you deal with that? I mean, it's got to be really tough. Here you are working on, you know, life-saving drugs and doing all this, and instead getting criticized by some of the people who you're closest to. What's your best advice for our listeners who go to family gatherings and get slammed for working in pharma? And not going to the family gathering is not an option.
2: Sometimes that's the best option. (laughs) uh, I will say, I think it's a great question. And I think there's, there's two approaches, at least, I've tried that have worked fairly well. One is to really speak about how dedicated folks and scientists that you work with are to really trying to, to change people's lives. And I'll often bring examples, because a lot of times in companies, we'll bring in patients who'll come in and talk about a particular therapy that was developed and the impact that's had on their lives. And I think bringing those examples up uh, with family, that look, this medicine didn't exist, this 30-year-old person who had stage four cancer would be dead, but instead they're alive today because of this. Those more personal, tangible examples help a lot. The other piece that I found to be helpful is actually talking talking a little bit about what is the crux of what their issue is. Is the issue that drugs are expensive? Is the issue is someone took some drugs and they ended up dying of the disease anyway? And, and to trying to understand what the root cause is and then trying to peel back those layers to really help them understand that, you know, where the industry is really trying to make a difference here. And th- those two approaches seem to work pretty well um, because then, folks, it becomes personal for them, and they begin to see that, look, this is it's not just this big black box, but actually there's a lot of really dedicated folks in are really trying to make a difference in the world. So that's two pieces of advice that have worked for me.
0: I think that's really good advice, and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners. And I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. I know you guys are very busy right now moving locations. So, um, again, I really appreciate you joining us for the podcast.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: And now it's time for our segment, Leadership Tips from Pharma Execs.
2: This is Devin Smith from Sigalon Therapeutics, uh, Chief Strategy Officer and Head of Operations. Uh, leadership tip is that culture really matters, and it can truly impact the way that uh, your employees behave as well as the success of the company. So culture really matters.
0: Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on.
1: Remember that you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on our new Instagram account at farmexecutive, and on YouTube, which you can find on our website.
0: The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of Farm Exec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director Henderson at UBM.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at Todd.Baker at UBM.com.